When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And we're the hosts of the Anxiety Chicks podcast, where we dive deep into the reality of anxiety, nutrition, and mental health. Listen as we explore all things anxiety healing while keeping it real, including our own struggles with mental health. We'll bring our expertise as healing professionals to the conversation while discussing the tools and strategies you need to heal the anxious mind. Listen to the Anxiety Chicks on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. I'm Allison Tepanera. And I'm Taylor. And we are so excited for our episode today. Um, we have a special guest, but before I introduce you to our amazing guest, I just wanted to thank everyone for rating and reviewing us and letting us know how much you're enjoying the podcast. Um, I know it feels like I say this every time, but I just want to say thank you so much because we've been getting such great feedback on our latest episodes, um, especially the ones that Taylor has brought on some guests and with the doctors and just getting some really good like scientific information, even though my brain doesn't go that way when it comes to anxiety. Um and it's just been so great. So I just wanted to say thank you. And if you haven't rated or subscribed and reviewed us, we'd love for you to do that. We really get um, the word out there of our podcast and help end the stigma of mental health. Um, you know, once you guys rate us and subscribe, it kind of pushes our podcast out there. So we would love if you could do that for us. Um, and like I said, we have a great episode for you guys today, something that I have struggled with a lot of my life that we're going to talk about today to someone who I don't even know how she does what she does um, on TV, but performance anxiety. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce Erin Colton. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her before she comes on. Um, so Erin Colton is an Emmy Award-winning anchor for News 12 Long Island. That's in New York. She joined the team in 2004 after graduating from Syracuse University. Colton began as a production assistant, running the teleprompter and handling handing out scripts, and worked her way up to the anchor desk. Colton's covered stories from the Olympics overseas to the Gilgo Beach Murders. I'd love to hear more about that because I love true crime. Um, to every main news story in the tri-state area. She gets up at 1.45 every morning. That already gives me anxiety, you guys. Um, to be at the studio at 3 a.m. and live at 5 o'clock to say good morning to millions of people every day. Welcome, Erin. Thanks for having us, guys. Having me. 
Yes, I can't believe you woke up at one o'clock this morning, one forty-five this morning, or what? Every day, every every dang day, Monday through Friday. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that out of that whole bio is so amazing. Out of all that, all I all I saw was one forty-five a.m. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh my god! In my mind, I'm like, no anxiety. Um, thank you so much for being on, though. We appreciate it, and we're so happy to be talking to you a little bit more about what you do and how you do it, because I can imagine that so many people listening would be like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? You're on TV. Like, how do you do that? I, I don't even understand that. It's um, like and the I- number one thing I get asked every single day from, from people that I see on the street is, is how, how do you do it? And knowing I have anxiety, just like, how, how do you do this every day? So... Yes. And, and I've been, you know, um, seeing on your Instagram and everything, how you are sharing your story more about your own anxiety. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about um, that process for you and how the healing has been and when you kind of knew that you had anxiety and how you work with that through the TV realm. That's crazy. So the floor is yours. Um, yeah, so I, I think the first time, well, first of all, I started out with performance anxiety, like I think most people do. Um, you know, I don't think most people are, are, are destined to just like be on, you know, it's, it's, it's either a learned thing or yeah, maybe you just have it. I may have it a little bit, but I think everyone starts out with it. Um, but it's actually interesting through my anxiety and through my realization of anxiety later in life. Um, it's made my performance anxiety less and my at home alone anxiety more. Um, and I think you see that with a lot, a lot, a lot of performers, comedians, singers, um, people on TV, where they're just so forced into uh, being on all the time that that almost remains their safe space. And then it's like, when yeah, off, it's like, ooh, you know, now it's just me, you know, um, am I is just me. OK. Um, so it's been a learning experience. I don't know about you guys. The first time I had anxiety or realized it, maybe I was seven and I was like throwing up before I had a test and I had worrisome and troublesome feelings and feelings I knew my friends didn't have and feelings my parents didn't understand. So that's, that's the first time I remember feelings like that. Um, the first time I got treated was, was 10 years ago when I was 31. Um, so you, you know, like many people, you go that, that long a time, um, untreated and not understanding, um, thinking you're different, um, working harder to remain normal or normal as what people say. Um, so yeah, so it's, so it's been a journey, but yes, weirdly enough, uh, through all of this, I really wanted to grow up and be on TV. I knew I wanted to do it. I went to Syracuse knowing this was my passion. Um, I was a sports reporter first and then I, um, you know, what, what, like I said, I was you know, literally started out getting people coffee and handing out scripts. And now, uh, 19 years later, I'm, I'm the morning show anchor, which um, is a feat in itself. But um, but yeah, so so but the anxiety path is is one that is a little bit different than other people. But also, I don't think I would be where I was without it. And that's something that took a long time for me to realize, like a long time. So. Um, that I, I'm just so curious, too, because you said you recognized at such a young age that, you know, there was some type of, you know, anxiety yeah. around maybe test taking. And that's actually a good point because um, performance anxiety isn't just, you know, 
if you have to stand oh. up and make a presentation or if you have to get on TV, like it actually is associated with taking tests, right? And like how you're going to do. And that's a huge anxiety I see with a lot of my children and adolescents that I work with in my practice is having to go and they have this type of really debilitating anxiety around like test taking and that type of performance as well. Um, so it's interesting that they, you connected that f- with what you do now too, but then also, you know, yeah. as a kid. Um I'm curious though, like when did you um, when did you understand, I guess, that it was connected to to that? Because um, as oh. kids, like you can look back and say, oh now, like I knew that, but right. growing up, like when did you realize that? Um, I think in college, really. I mean, I think I went all of my adolescent life and my high school life as just being like, um, in my in my mind in my world i just thought i was a little extra my mom called her called me her little warrior you know she gets mm-hmm. that from me she gets that worrying from me and but it went beyond worrying it was obsessiveness it was um you know i i wouldn't tell people my thoughts because i knew my friends weren't thinking them and i didn't want to worry my parents so i just i really did keep it all inside and then when i got to college and i was alone and i didn't have you know a, a bubble of a town and a home to to go home to every day and i just had like this dorm room and no one knew me. And I, you know, I, I, I think I, I padded the anxiety by being someone that, you know, everyone liked, you know, people pleaser, like we all say, you know, like in high school. So it was just, I tried so hard to do that. Now all of a sudden it's like, I'm starting over. Mm-hmm. And I just, I would like throw up every night. I would, I, I, I it was more than homesick. It was, it was life sick. Mm-hmm. It was, where do I go from here? Um, and so again, school kind of has been like a mainstay of the anxiety in my younger life because what that's, that's, that's your job, right? School's your job when you're younger. And now this is my job when I'm older. So no matter what it is, it's, it's the job that, you know, the extras that, that I had to feel like I was the best at or, or, or not let anyone down, I should say, whether it be my parents with my grades or whether it be, you know, you know, my coworkers now at the station, it's all about, you know, not disappointing people. And that has been, you know, a constant, constant theme throughout my entire life. Again, since I was like seven years old, it's the first time I, 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 I can think back and say, wow, that was anxiety. You know, yeah. at the time, you don't know that. But now that you get help and you get treated and you talk to a therapist, you're like, wow, I was feeling that way back then. Uh, yeah. And I think when it comes to performance anxiety, I think there's such a huge connection with perfectionism, um, whether it's the test taking or whether it's doing a new segment or whether it's doing a performance in a play or, you know, doing a job presentation or something. <clears throat> the right, perfectionism. I, Go ahead. I yeah. have something that I feel like I hope is going to change people's worlds right now. If they're listening or, okay. or YouTube too. Um, I mean, maybe not. It's not that epic, but I, it no, changed no. my life when I. So, um, you know, like growing up and and thinking you want to be on TV, and then finally getting that shot. You know, it has to be perfect, right? Like you said, like there can't be any ums. I can't have any. You know, I can't say anything wrong. I can't have a hair out of place. It has to be perfect because it's my shot. It's it. And um, I've had I've had different jobs. Like I said, I was a sports anchor, I was a producer, and I was a writer. And then when I when I got the gig of being the morning reporter, it was a, it was a huge thing for me. Huge thing for me. I mean, I grew up here on Long Island, so now I'm, you know, reporting top story uh, to you know, millions of people in my hometown, my my home place of where I grew up. So I uh, actually got so fixated on my mistakes and 
the bad things that I were doing. Meanwhile, they were less than the amazing things I was doing, but right. that didn't matter. The amazing things didn't matter. It was the bad things that mattered. So I fixated them so much that, you know, my mom said to me, you know, I think maybe you should talk to someone. And that was the first time I started talking to someone it was not even about like personal anxiety or anything. It was just that I would come home every day shaking because I said an um. Wow. And, um, so, so, so through this guy, I don't even remember his name. It was like my first therapist ever. Maybe I was 25, 26, 27. Um, and he said, he, he recommended a book called the art of imperfection mm-hmm. and that, you know, imperfection is an art and, um, and in it, you know, there's many different examples about great things that happened, great people people that changed the world, sports teams that rock the world. But none, none of their journey was perfect. You know, you talk about, you know, a sports team that made it to the World Series and won the World Series. I mean, look at all the stumbles they had along the way. Um, but they're being recognized as this, um, you know, amazing feat that they did of winning the World Series. And um, it's an amazing book. And it's something I think everyone should read because I started focusing less on the ums and more on, you know, I started just listening to the people who said, hey, that was a good job because I realized that other people are saying um too. And, and I'm, I'm saying um as, a, as an example. I mean, it goes along with everything. I, I didn't look good. I looked, didn't look at the camera the right way. I, I, wasn't, I, I missed a slot. I missed a whatever. And again, little things that happen along the way. But I look back at it now and I'm like, I, I don't know if I, would, if I would be here without those stumbles. So the art of imperfection, realizing that, you know, it's cliche, no one's perfect, clearly no one's perfect, but being imperfect is actually the way to go. I love that. Yeah. I, I know. And I, so it's, it's interesting. I don't think it's the same book, but I read something similar by Brene Brown called The Gifts of Imperfection. Okay. And that's amazing too. You might want to check that one out too. Oh, absolutely. I'm writing it down right now. Yeah. Um, it is so wonderful and totally it, it explains and processes through the gifts of our imperfections, kind of like you were talking about, right? We all have unique um, just personality traits and things about ourselves that I think maybe contribute to some things that um, other people might judge us on, right? But that's their judgment, right? We need to learn how to love all of who we are. So, um, and and find our, imperf- like, are they really imperfections or are they just, you know, gifts that are given yeah. to us? And so it's, it is the way you kind of think about it, right? And it's funny you say the ums because my um is the word like. I have said like as a filler word my entire life. I remember my dad used to prepare me for job interviews and I used to practice with him for different job interviews. And he's and he used to say, you just said like you just said like and then I'm getting more anxious because I'm like thinking, "Okay, wait, hold on. I can't say like and then I started like, you know, I and I'm probably saying it a million times on here. And now I try not to say it as much. I, I understand how to kind of use my words because it's such a filler word that I use. I, I think about, I kind of need to think a little bit harder of what I'm going to say, which is fine. Um, but still I say it and it's, you know, I think, okay, yeah, this is my filler word because when I'm on how you just said too, you, you're on, right? When you're on TV, you're on. Yeah. And 
in my job I'm on, on Instagram, every stuff, I feel like, you know, I'm on a lot of times, but I now am so much more myself where if I say it or not, okay, whatever, we'll see, you know, um, I would, I would almost like, you know, my, my response, my anxiety response when I would do it a lot would be to freeze. I would really forget what I was saying and I would just be so in my head and it would actually be really debilitating for me, but I totally get you on that. Well, I mean, think of someone who, who's performing or even speaking, um, and, and they're perfect and they don't say words like just and like, and so, and all of those filler words that we talk about that we use as, um, as crutches. Yeah. I don't relate to them. I don't relate to them at all. In fact, the way that now I, my style of going on every morning and, um, you know, no morning is perfect. No morning is perfect. And it's because that's not relatable. I, I'm not, I'm not aiming to be imperfect, but I'm, I'm sure as hell not, not aiming to be a robot. And I think that that is what people need to know when they're, when they're trying to get up in front of a room and when they're nervous about, about, um, you know, taking a test, you know, stop, stop wanting to be, you know, get a hundred, stop, stop wanting to whatever. Let's just, let's, uh, let's do the, you know, let's, let's do great. But you know, no one's a robot. No one's not going to say those filler words. No one's not going to get nervous. Um, you know, so, so I think it's like just knowing that and knowing, understanding that you're reaching out to the, to the normal person and you're actually yeah. more relatable than someone who's bl- bl- rocking out of the park, mm-hmm. you know? So that's, that's good too, to, to think of. Totally. Totally agree. And when you were saying the thing too, about how you, um, you know, there was maybe a million awesome things that people said, oh. but then, you know, that one, you know, mistake or maybe the one review you got that was bad. I mean, Taylor, you could totally relate to this. Yes. Tell her, tell her the situation about with our reviews and stuff. Oh, yeah. And- we, we got like one review and sometimes I don't know about you, but when I'm, when I get like nervous and I start feeling like I have to be the best and on, I start like talking really fast and like I can interrupt and stuff. And like, I think there was one review that said like, oh, Taylor's talking too much. And I remember like after that, I was like, oh no, now I'm talking too much. Now I need to shut up. Now I'm like quiet. And then you start going in that spiral. And then you have all these other reviews that are like, Taylor makes me feel normal. Taylor makes me feel not alone. And it's just like, why do I, why do we focus on that one thing? I mean, I know why, because it triggers the perfectionist yeah. in us. That's just like, you're failing, but yeah, I relate Isn't to that amazing? so much. It's I know. Amazing. Like I'll come home after, after like a great day. Like we just did this live show last Friday for Memorial Day weekend and we were live, no teleprompter, nothing. Uh, the weatherman, our traffic girl, me, my co-anchor live on Jones beach, kicking off summer. Um, it was amazing, guys. Like we knocked it out of the park. We were, we were, we were, we were rock, rock solid. But I'll go home and and I'll and I'll say to my boyfriend, I'll be like, oh, but you know, I did this, and he's just like, you're doing it again. Like you have, you 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 have. Look what you did. It was amazing. It, you were your whole team was amazing, and you're even bringing this up like it means anything and and. And it's just like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to get rid of it. I don't know how to not think about it. I mean, it eases over time, especially, you know, when I post on Instagram and when you have a lot of followers, of course, you're going to get hate and you're, of, course, of course, you're going to get, get jealousy. I mean, that's just in people's blood. But, um, but you know, I'll get, I'll get 95 comments that are, that are like, we support you. You're doing great. And then there's those five comments and be like, 
Oh, just suck it up. Ugh, look at her, you know. And I get, I, I should just be like, that should just be like, boop, 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 warning, warning. That that person, you know, shouldn't even be thought of. Don't even read it. But but it's true. It's true. You have to think like, well, why would they say that? Why would they think that about me? Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I'm dying to hear about your very first experience, like being on TV <laughs> and what that was like for you. Were you working, had you already worked through a lot of your performance anxiety at that point? Or were you, oh my gosh, what am I doing? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, so my station is pretty big time. I mean, we, we are yeah. we're one of the top stations in this, in this area. And um, usually you go other places and then you come back here. So, you know, you know, I had gotten a job and um, like, I don't know. Podunk, Texas, wherever, you know, mm-hmm. out there, uh, market, you know, 900 and something, whatever it is. And, you know, I said, I go, I have to go because this is where I you start and then maybe you can come back. And my, my boss at the time said, and I wasn't on air. I was just, you know, this, this wannabe, this person who just said yes to everything. Um, you know, someone called out sick. Yes. Um, someone can't do this. Yes. Well, Aaron, you don't know how to do that job. I'll learn, you know, so, so, so when I said I had done so much of that, I said I was going to go. And they're like, wait, what if we give you the opportunity to, to, to go on air? And I was like, here? And they were like, yeah. What, what if, what if you, we could work that in? Would you stay? And I said, yes. So um, I went on and I, 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 was, I, was, a, I was a morning um, sports anchor because that's what I had majored in at first. Um, but I had produced news and I had loved news. So. Um, and, and when you're an anchor, you have stuff written for you. But when you really go out and report live, that's when it kicks in. That is when you have you. It is you, your camera person, and okay. the street, and and oh gosh, nothing. Right. And so, so you have to. You're the show. You're the show. They toss it to you, and for two, two and a half minutes, you're the show. So I mean, I remember my first time. Like it actually wasn't too bad. Um, Maybe the second and third times were, the, were, were not great, but I remember the first time I was so just like, this has to be perfect that, um, that I got it perfect. Um, but again, as I said, you know, those, those um, insecurities just, just creep, creep right in every second. It's like, wait, did I say that? Did I do that? Did someone not see that? Did they? So, um, but it was like sh- shockingly okay. And um, my therapist kind of says that like, um, you know, she, 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 she thinks of you know, not weird or anything, but we laugh about the fact that, you know, I'm, I have all of this anxiety and, and I finally feel like I've contained it a bit through, you know, daily medication, therapy, everything I need to do, um, to work on it. But, but again, like I said, it's, it, it started to become not on TV and Mm -hmm. more like when I came home and shut the door and went into my house and, you know, there was no red light up there. Because that's wow. when I could finally turn off, and I didn't know off. So, so I mean, I, I would some days, I would some days walk in the door. I, I would, I would, I would rock it. I would be, I would get an exclusive on a story. I would tell it better than anyone else. I would come back to the station and be like, "Yes, that's so great." I would go home. I would walk into my house, go upstairs to the corner of my bedroom, and not leave that corner until I had to force myself to get up and go to the shower and get ready to go to bed to do it all over again. Um, I couldn't find a way to be proud of myself. I couldn't find a way to relax the feelings. I, I was just scared about the next day. Well, what if I screw up the next day? Yeah. So there's never, there was never a, a stop. And I always like regret, like I, I was like, oh my God, I have to go home now. Finally, I can take off my shoes and relax and not talk. And now it's like, that's when I would have my panic attacks, just alone in my house. So... Yeah. 
Gosh, that's, I mean, I'm sure so many people listening can relate um, with any type of, I mean, any type of career, but I can imagine like high pressured or even, even just like I said before, and you said about being on, right? Because it's almost like takes a different part of your brain to, it distracts you from a lot of things too, right? Being on and thinking about, you know, what stories you have and you're really just in it for a lot of hours a day. Um, And then when you're, when you're home and again, and also sometimes isolated, right? Sometimes people go home and they're by themselves. Um, And then you kind of think about, okay, well now what, right? I don't know. That's kind of, I've been there too, where I think, okay, now what, you know, I think I, a lot of people have been there. I think, I think, you know, even, even moms sometimes have been there. You think moms like relish in this time and all the kids go to sleep and, and you can now have yes. your mom time. I think that's when they finally start thinking and they finally start worrying and thinking about this and this and this and this and this. And I think it's just like, it's almost like a, a false pretense thinking that, you know, you know, moms who can sit alone and, and, and have a cup of coffee. Mind you, there's a million people listening probably that that's their dream and I get it, but, yeah. but it goes, it goes the same way. It's, 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 you're on, you're on, you're on, you're getting the kids doing this. You're not thinking about anything of your problems or anything of your worries or anything that's whatever. You just got to have to make Bobby's dinner and, and get him to sleep. And then all of a sudden, you know, you take a deep breath and no one's around and you're like, wow, these feelings just come rushing in and you don't yeah. know what to do with them. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I have a question. Yeah. So, okay. You're, you're doing news every single day. Are you ever triggered or overwhelmed by like some of the stories you hear? Um, so, so not often, which is also, uh, <laughs> I worry about all the time. Um, I, I just, I think of myself with health anxiety and like, you're yeah. like, you're handling like deaths and like yeah. all these stuff, like that's a lot. Like you're consuming news a lot. Yeah. Um. Does anyone else love holidays? I know I do. I get so sad sometimes after February because it feels like holidays are so far away. But now that we are in June, I'm already thinking about my 4th of July plans. My favorite part of holidays is going all out on the theme of the holiday. So you know the 4th of July, I am going to be in all red, white, and blue. I will be going on the lake, so sunglasses will be a must, and I already hopped onto Pair Eyewear's website to find the cutest top frames that I can snap on and change my glasses to match my 4th of July outfit. I really like the Americana tortoise frame. Pair eyewear makes wearing glasses fun and the luxury of not having to buy a new pair of sunglasses just to match your outfit or theme. There are hundreds of budget-friendly frames and magnetic top frame styles to choose from starting at just $60, including the prescription. I love that you can just snap on and snap off the different frames whenever you want and get to keep the same style frame that you love. The coolest part about Pair Eyewear is that for every pair you buy, Pair Eyewear provides glasses and vision care to a child in need. Express yourself wherever summer takes you with Pair Eyewear. Go to PairEyewear.com slash anxiety chicks for 15% off your first pair. That's Pair, P-A-I-R, Eyewear.com slash anxiety chicks. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and 
What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, so in last week's Q&A episode, someone asked if I would ever personally consider taking medication to help with my anxiety, and I shared that I'm in the process of doing that and basically said, yes, I think it's an amazing part of people's toolkits, me- medication, as long as it's prescribed and managed by the appropriate doctor, I'm in total favor for. And I'm in the process of looking for that type of doctor who I can trust. And it's been very frustrating because so many doctors these days are overprescribing. They're rushing you out the door. They're not really listening to me. Uh, I literally feel like I tell them a couple of symptoms and they're like, okay, try this without even honestly hearing what's really going on in my life and what other things might be happening in my body. And I'm, you know, they're rushing me out the door. They almost can't wait to get rid of me and get on to the next patient. And I sometimes wish I could actually learn more about the doctors that I see before I booked an appointment, which I've learned that I actually can with ZocDoc. And I'm so excited about ZocDoc because it helps me find trusted doctors that are patient-reviewed so I can get the care I deserve from a trusted doctor. And on ZocDoc, there are thousands of medical professionals that want to help you by actually listening to you and not just throwing medication at the problem. Go to ZocDoc.com slash AnxietyChicks and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash AnxietyChicks. ZocDoc.com slash anxiety chicks. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there, there were some, there were some days where, uh, you know, you were like, I'll never forget this one story. Um, it was father's day about 10 years ago. So this time about 10 years ago, um, a, a drug crazed, um, guy went in to a pharmacy to, get uh, pills for him and his girlfriend and he there's normal guy that that turned to drugs had maybe had some back problems turned to drugs and was now a drug addict and didn't have any more pills left so he went into a pharmacy around the block from where he lived and he shot four people dead on top yeah, of that. yeah. We, we were there every single day until he was caught I think five days i think they caught him on the fourth day but we were there I, so i was in front of that pharmacy no these family members hysterical crying over you know, the, just just horrible. Knowing the guy was out there, and I guess, he, and I remember he lived around the block. That's where we there they arrested him. Um, but every single day, we had to talk to these family members, crying on our shoulders about, you know, when will we find him? What will we do? What will they do? Um, and and I just and yeah, it it's it, a it lot. Is, it, it is a lot. It is a lot. Um, yeah, like when you finally get to sit in the car, your last shot, and you get to go home, you're driving home. Sometimes my photographer, Sue, and I would just look at each other in the car and just like, <sighs> yeah, wow. Yeah, I worked in the hospital, and I remember they're always like, don't take it home with you. Yeah. And that's kind of like you, like you're, that's that's really traumatic. Like when you're really in that moment, you're interviewing people who just went through something super traumatic. It's hard to not take that in, especially if you're like an empath. It's yeah. so hard to not be like, uh, I don't know. That's a lot to do every day. Like, I don't know how you handle that. Yeah. I mean, and I, I kind of don't know either. I think that it was just like, 
I almost feel like I went in like because I, I started this so young. So I was yeah. so young getting into this. And I almost feel like I just like shocked my body out of it. Like, yeah. I remember another thing. I don't know if you guys remember that it was um, this uh, this aunt driving her kids home from camping. Maybe you don't. It's in New York area. But she was on the Taconic Parkway and she was driving the wrong way. And, um, you know, she was drunk or, or police say she was drunk. They found vodka bottles in her car and she killed her um, her niece, her, net, her, her, net, her basically her family of kids. Yeah. And, um, and they had the funeral. And um, it was, I was, I think maybe my second, first or second year, maybe first year of being a news reporter. And they were like, all right, Aaron, go live. It's, it's noon, go live. And I was like, oh, wait, they bring the caskets out behind me. They're like, oh, no, gosh. this is what you have to go live. They started bringing all of the kid caskets out. No. I remember just being like, it was the, I think it was, it was the first and I don't know if only, but first time I ever like, yeah, I like teared up. I, I was like, how, how do you not, you know? And yeah. then I was like, Oh God, like in my brain, like, Oh my God, I just teared up like live on TV doing a, a newscast. Like, I, how am I going to, am I going to get fired? Am I going to get in trouble? Like, that's what, you can't do that. Right. Right. But then I remember my dad taking me aside again. I was living at home at the time. I was like in my early twenties. And, and my dad just kind of said, no, you did what was normal. You yeah. Did, you did you were human. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No one wants to be put in that situation, but you know, you, you did what you, what you could and it was fine. Yeah. So, we, yeah. we just, we just had the, you know, that mass shooting, the guy here yeah. in Allen, Texas. And, uh, I saw the news crews out there literally that day we had to drive. It's was two miles from my house. So we had to drive by and I saw them out there. I mean, they were right on the scene yeah. immediately. And I was just like, how, like, I couldn't in my head, I couldn't process. Cause I was in such shock that I'm like, how do you, cause it's in your area. You're doing your local news. So you're seeing things that are right next door. And that's Sometimes just like, I know the people. It, yes. That's, you know, that's, that's it's, a lot. Yeah. It's, it's, you kind of have to just turn it off. And I think if you're in the business, you know that. And if you, if you can't, you have to maybe find something else to do, but yeah, yeah you, you just have to kind of turn it off for the moment. And then, you know, like I said, when you're on, you're on. And then when you turn it, and then when you turn your empath back on, you're home alone and, and it just all, the, it just it all hits out. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That that's very similar to as a psychologist too. the same thing. It's the compartmentalization is so important because if I did take everything I heard with me outside of my practice that everyone's going through, oh my God, I wouldn't be able to do anything. And yeah. it is, there is a, a piece of that that you have to do when you're in certain professions like this or else you wouldn't be able to do them, honestly. And so um, I give you such credit for that. I mean, yeah. and like with the crying piece too, you know, in my, you're telling me that story and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, she's human. And I'm sure so many people watching that were actually like, oh my gosh, you know, I feel totally exactly how she's feeling, which is, which I think now, I don't know back then if it was as accepting as it is, but I think now more and more people are accepting the humanity of people that were not robots, like you said, you know? I, I mean, I mean, those are the reports I remember. I mean, the fa that there was, there was this one, I, I forget where it was, where it was a school shooting. And um, a reporter, I, I forget what, what station it was for, but a reporter was sent to go cover it, and it was her son's school. Yeah. And, you know, uh, she she wasn't, you know, she was just, just saying it, and you, and you could tell she was choked up, and the anchors actually said to her, like, listen, this is so-and-so. And then her, someone came up to her, not her son, but someone came up to her on the side and, and said, 
you know, your son's okay. We saw him and she just started crying and, 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 but, but it was such a, an accurate uh, depiction of, of, of what life is right now. And there was, and you know what? I respect her so much because she, she could have been a robot. She could have been a robot, went out and was like, all right, I'll let me do this report and I'll go figure that out after that. But she, you know, combined the two. And again, those are the reports that you remember. Those are the ones that I'm going to remember at least. Yeah. Have you read uh, 10% Happier? So I I started, I'm not a big reader because I like, you know, start reading and then I start like thinking about all the worries and problems in my life while I'm reading. (laughs) But but no, I I started it and I haven't finished it. But what I did read was, was, was great. Such a good book. So Allison, I don't know if you've heard of it, Dan Harris. So he yeah. was the guy. Yeah. That's so people who don't know, he was the guy who he was an anchor, right? Yeah, on Channel Seven. Yeah. Yeah. And he just like had a panic attack on air. Or I should say and, ABC for, for people who are listening. It's Channel Seven in New York. But yes, ABC yeah. he was an ABC news anchor and yeah. Yeah, had, so. had an actual panic attack on air and then he wrote this book and it was just it was it's really beautiful book it's definitely worth reading i really enjoyed it because he kind of talks about like he was a perfectionist too and how yeah. he always was like go 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 and he never processed like the things actually going on and taking care of yourself and job you know your job's not everything like you matter so much more than that and you have so much to give to this earth and yeah, it's it's, a good it's, it's hard not to think that way, like Dan said, because it's so hard. And I've met Dan, and he and you know he hit the nail on the head when when he wrote about um, you know the fact that he doesn't know if he's going to have his next contract signed. He doesn't know, so so his performance is everything. It doesn't matter if he had a good year. It doesn't matter yeah. if he had a good broadcast. It yeah. all depends on your next contract in this business, mm-hmm. at least. Yeah. You know, you know, when I'm, I'm not saying being, uh, I mean, being a teacher is like one of the most, you know, insane professions, being um, a hospital worker, being a, um, a police officer. But yeah. those, you know, you can go, you can kind of have faith that you have a job yeah. year, after yeah. year after year after year. Um, and there are times where I just say, say to myself, like, I wish I just wanted to be a teacher. I wish I just wanted to just because I'd have stability instead of, right. you know, you know, needing to perform to, to, to hold down your job. Um, so it's constant, it, it's constant. And that's where the, where, that's where the perfectionism comes. Like nothing is good enough until, you know, you know, cause it couldn't be, it, it could be not be good enough next time. So yeah. that's where that comes from. I so never thought about that. That's yeah. kind of like in the NBA. It's like, there's all yeah. these up and coming young people and you're like, are they coming for my job? And, and, and you could win a championship one year, yeah. but yep. then suck the next year and mm-hmm. you have a job. Yeah. Well, and also all of those types of jobs are so competitive. Like you're literally one out of how many million, like one that want to actually do that. Right. So you have to constantly try and prove yourself. But some of it, I feel like might be not luck, but also, you know, you think of um, the Nepo babies, (laughs) like the people that know people um, Mm -hmm. that just get the job because whatever. But yeah, like all performance, but yeah, like sports, so competitive, the media, so competitive, you're almost, and and the thing you were saying about the instability of the field, um, I can imagine a whole nother layer of anxiety because anxiety happens when things are so unpredictable, right? Like I know that I, I love that, in my, I mean, I have my own job, so it's not as predictable anymore, but um, I know that I'm not really competing against a lot of people. I mean, I feel like I'm in a pretty stable job. I kind of am predictable with my next year and next year's salary. Okay, I know what's going to happen. And 
if it was not predictable, like that would just be another layer for me of my anxiety. I, I my gosh, I can't even imagine. I mean, my, my mind goes so many different places in a day still. Yeah. I mean, again, I feel like I have, or I am starting to have a good handle on, yeah. on my anxiety. I feel like I'm 41. Um, and I, I'm 10 years into receiving therapy and medication, and I feel like I finally have it down a bit. I mean, but but as you guys know, having it down means, yeah, you're living with it, you're 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 battling it every day. But I mean, it comes back all the time. It's this is not a given that things are gone. You're not going to be cured. Um, but but um, but I but I feel like at 41, I feel the uh, I finally feel like I have a handle on things. But I have to tell you, I'll come out and I'll, again, I'll have just like a rocking day at work. I'll get off the air. I'll walk to my desk and like I'll see, you know, my bosses close their door. I, well, they're talking about me, aren't they? Yeah. They're, they're yeah. About, um, right. You know, the, automatic. Mm-hmm. the automatic. The uh, automatic. Yeah, and, and 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 again, I'll I'll talk to my to my boyfriend a lot about this because I think he's the he's like one of the first people I've dated that truly, at least I think, wants to really understand, like not just be like, okay, I get it. You're he really wants to, and I think that helps too. Um, but he's like, you well, you know, you wouldn't be, you know, thinking that way helps you because you because you know then you're going to do better and you're never going to give up. Yes, I get it. I, I I'm definitely. I'm never not going to give up. I'm never not going to do 110% every day, but, but there's got to be a shutoff to seeing, you know, <laughs> your manager simply close his door and, 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 and create some scenario in your head that you're getting fired. Like it's just, it's just, it just goes wild, wild places, worst scenario cases. I will never not come to a situation and think, not think worst scenario. Yeah. And I hate that. I hate it. I know. And that, and so that's in a whole nother layer too, right? When we start having, and I, I come from a cognitive behavioral background as a practitioner, so, but, and more holistic too. Um, so, uh, you know, CBT has been shown in research to be one of the yeah. top most, um, you know, types of treatments for anxiety disorders um, because of that reason, right? Like our brain can make us believe certain things. Our thoughts make us believe certain situations are true when they're really not, right? And then our body responds to that. We feel like we're in danger because of those thoughts and all this stuff. And so, which is why I actually, I I was going to say, I totally get that catastrophizing is what we call it in the CBT, worst case scenarios, um, which I think is probably one of the most common distortions that people have with anxiety because our brain just literally goes to worst case so much. And that other part of our rational brain just gets overshadowed so easily, which is why it's so important to learn how to kind of reframe and remember that. Um, But another thing that I've noticed that you shared throughout this whole um, episode is that it sounds like you are doing better because you have a, a toolkit of strategies and supports and techniques that have really helped you through those moments. And you've learned that within the last 10 years. And that's kind of like where I've come to. And I, I'd love to send you a copy of my book because oh, the Any it, Healers yeah. Guide, um, because it's full of coping strategies and mindfulness-based techniques and cognitive behavioral strategies to help calm the mind and body. And so many, it's basically essentially helping you create your own toolkit. So, and it looks different for everybody. And I think there's probably so many powerful techniques in there that maybe you haven't tapped into yet that would help you. So, yeah, you know, I just don't, sometimes I don't get why I never really it's not that I didn't take it seriously, but I feel like I just, I was like, oh, I was living with this my whole life. 
that, you know, oh, if I forgot to take a pill, if I missed a therapy session, if I, you know, mm-hmm. if I was lax on things, it wouldn't matter. Now it's like, you know, you know, you wouldn't forget to take your diabetes medication, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, I know a lot of people do say that, but it's so true. It's like I finally, at this later stage in my life, I'm, I realized um, I'm only better because of those, of those tools. And once I stop yeah. using them, you know, I, I go back to square one like right away. Yeah. And I, and I think that especially with your, um, your career and being in this performance type of job, um, it's so important to learn how to self-regulate and self-soothe maybe right before a live, you can do, like, there's so many things you can do with for like two minutes right before you get on TV or, you know, so many different ways to just help regulate your body, even when you get home. Right. And maybe you're sitting in the corner and you don't know what to do, but you, can reach to your toolbox and you say, you know what, I, I'm really feeling dysregulated, but I'm going to pick from either this meditation or I'm going to pick from a couple things that I have in here just to kind of help get into my own mind and body and be present again now, because that's when everything's racing, you know? I mean, it's the same thing with social media too. I mean, my job is, is, is being live on the news, but it's so mm-hmm. much of it is social media and so much of it is, you know, posting every day. And, um, this is my last post that I posted a couple of days ago. It's funny. I ran into a coworker, uh, we're in a bigger building, so I don't exactly know everyone. I know everyone in the news department, but sometimes some will be in corporate and I won't know them. So this man ran into me in the stairs and, and he said, Aaron, um, oh, it's so good to meet you. I, I, I wish I would have, you know, I was hoping I would run into you. And I was like, oh, it's nice to meet you too. I'm, I'm so-and-so, I'm so-and-so. And he said, um, you know, I've been seeing you on 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 social media. And wow, you really um, got, got rid of that anxiety, huh? Good job. You know, you got a dog and you got a boyfriend. You look, you know, you look so happy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at first someone would be like, oh, wow, like that's so cool that, that people see that I'm happy. But then I was like, you know, I'm falling into this, 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 this fake only post the good things thing. And, and I, and I said, you know, obviously I could have just like rushed him by and whatever, but I said, you know, you never get rid of it. You know, it's, this is something that I, it's a disorder that I have. So I regulate it, but it's never gone. And he's like, Oh wow. You, you can never tell. And I, and I, that made me sad because I, I don't want people to think that I don't want to give off the impression that, that every day is perfect for me, clearly not. But I also don't want to give the, the impression that, that, you know, I shared I have anxiety and now you're seeing that, you know, I'm posting things about my dog and I'm smiling and I'm on Fire Island and, 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 I, and I cured myself of anxiety because we all know that can't really happen. Um, so I posted a picture and it was um, a side-by-side picture of me on the job. I was like in an airplane because the air show came through um, last weekend um, and I was interviewing a pilot. It was awesome. I was in a plane. I was smiling. And then an hour later when I was home, when I had went into a complete panic about something and I was crying and they were an hour apart and I, and I just posted them and I said, this is an hour difference. So never, never think that things are always, you know, just fine because you're seeing someone smiling, you know? So, and, and it sucks to also post depressing things all the time. You know, you know that you don't want to always do that, right? but but you want to keep it real. And so, yeah, I just, I hope, I hope people understand social media is tough for people who are trying to, um, as you guys know, trying to get the message out, but also live their life and also not give off a wrong message. You know, there's all this stuff going on. I I actually saw that post and I just want to give you so much credit for, 
being vulnerable and sharing that, right? I mean, I think it's still so hard for people to be vulnerable and share kind of their struggles. Um, we are all working hard to end the stigma of that, um, but there's it's still there. And so I saw that and I just was so proud of you. And I just, I don't know. I just feel so proud of everyone who's able to do that. And then how many people could relate to that? I'm sure. Are you kidding me? Like an hour apart, that is real life. Right. Um, so it's real life. And, and, and that is exactly why healing is not linear. You know, it's not, you know, you, for me, I think, I think I started healing what you, what, what you say. I mean, I I think I'm going to constantly be healing because like, you know, there's a new bump in the road every day with this, um, whether you experienced it or whether you regressed or, um, but my healing is, is I, I think I only came out about this anxiety about like three or four years ago. So that has helped me these messages from people. And I'm sure both of you can relate to that of just um, not only understanding that you're helping people, but they're helping me. You know, like they're helping, you know, I, I, I didn't just say I had this and it was just like crickets. It was, it was, you know, all of these messages of this people going through the same thing. And um, you just, you just, you just feel, you almost feel a little more protected when, when you, when you talk to and, and when you're around people who, who go through the same thing and are battling the same demons um, and they get up and they get up every day, just like you. So um, that really helps the healing is when you, when you talk about it and don't keep it inside. Yeah. I love that. I think also the one thing I'm, that I'm just learning about myself when it comes to the performance anxiety and being on Instagram, you know, going live, oh. having a lot of, you know, people um, on my page is um, I, you know, people call me out a lot, which is fine when right. either I make a mistake about something or maybe I got information wrong or whatever. I always, first of all, come back with compassion where I'm just like, oh, okay, you know what? I appreciate you actually telling me that, but also I'm not perfect. I say I'm not perfect all the time. I will share and say I made a mistake and I own up to things. And I said, oh yeah, sorry, I meant to say this, or I didn't mean to say that. Oh yeah, I need to do that better. Like I need to research that better. You're right. Okay. And I just kind of leave it at that. And internally, I, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago when I was little, I'd be in a corner for a couple hours yeah. or maybe days. Now I think to myself, okay, everyone makes mistakes and I move on. And then I always remind myself to practice, you know, to say what I would say to somebody else, right? Like if someone else came to me and they said, God, but they said I did this wrong and gosh, I'm such a failure. I stink. Like, why did I do that? I can't believe I'm, I'm this type of person. I think like, what would I say to that person? Right. I'd probably be like, you are not. This one thing does not mean anything about who you are. You've worked so hard for the look at many amazing things you've done. You have to remember all these things. Look how many people are so proud of you and what you've accomplished and the type of person you are. Not even just what you accomplished. You're a kind person. You're loving. You're loyal. And I say that stuff to myself. Well, because it's incredible what support can do. It really is incredible, and and people who don't realize it and maybe think that they're they're better than than getting support or they don't need you know someone coddling them, support helps. 
in, in every sense yeah. of the word. It just helps. I mean, and that's part of part should be part of everyone's toolkit as a support system. Yeah. But I think it's so important to remind yourself, like, remember what you would tell somebody else. You know, you need to say that to yourself. You would not be so mean to any to all those other people. You're being so mean to yourself. Like, say, like, admit, yeah, you're not perfect, and that's okay. But what are the other amazing things about you? Let's like think about those things. You know. And let's kind of be proud of yourself for all of those things, right? And I think it's especially hard for, for you know, performers or people who, who, you know, make their living in front of people and, um, yeah, uh, performing in, in, in any way is because most of us are high functioning, right? So we're, we're high, we have high functioning anxiety. So you don't really see it on the outside too much because we, we're, we're perfect masters of it. Um, and and all that goes along with it, the people pleasing and the and the beating yourself up and doing it in private. And so that just makes everything more exhausting on top of it. So, um, again, another layer, another layer of it all. Yeah, I, I well, I love this this whole episode. I feel like there's so much you've shared about <clears throat> how to just regulate, but also you definitely share our same, um, you know, just passion with mental health and ending the stigma, which I love. And that's the guests we love having on here. And you gave so many great ideas about how to help performance anxiety, even if you're not like going on TV at 1am every morning or waking up at 1am. Um, just for, you know, everyone struggling with either taking a test or job performance or anything like that. I mean, I know I'm going to take some things from this and I love it. Um, but I, Taylor, do you have any other questions? No, that was amazing. Good. Yeah. Um, so tell everyone where they can follow you or like in touch with you or anything. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I answer pretty much, I try to answer pretty much every single one of my Instagram DMs. It's a lot, but I, I just feel like I owe it to the people who um, write in. Um, it's just Erin Colton um, and on Facebook, Instagram. And again, I'm an anchor on News 12 Long Island. Um, so they can, you know, Google that or find me there. But um but yeah, it's a it's a welcome space. I call it my my family because I don't have a big family. So whenever I write these posts and they're so deep and everything, I always say thanks for listening, fam. Just because um, they, they, it's amazing what social media has done for me. Um, you know, in in a sense of support and 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 growing uh, good thoughts about mental illness and mental health instead of you know the bad thoughts that so many people have uh, associated with it. So so yeah, awesome. so that's it. Just Aaron Colton. Okay, perfect. And listen, I'm in New York a lot, so I'll just slide into your DMs um, when Absolutely. I'm in the area. We should get like dinner or something. I'd love to. Absolutely. It'd be awesome. And um, I'll send you a copy of my book. We'll figure that out after when we're off okay. air. I can't um, wait. So great to have you. Thanks, guys. Guys, check her out on Instagram and make sure to follow us at the Anxiety Chicks and the Anxiety Healer and Health underscore Anxiety. And we will be back next week with another healing episode. See you guys. Thanks. Bye, guys. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.